Hi, listeners. I want to tell you about a cause that I'm involved with at Heritage Radio Network. HRN is celebrating its 15th year, and to celebrate, we're deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Welcome to Wheels Off, a show about the messy reality of the creative life. I'm Rhett Miller. That's when it got wheels off. We started up and we ain't gonna stop. Oh, I like you, like it or not. That's when it got wheels off. Suzanne Santo joins Wheels Off from her home in Los Angeles. She has worked for years with the band Honey Honey. And she has just released a single under her own name, Suzanne Santo. She's released some music also just as herself. She collaborates on this newest single with the guitar god, Gary Clark Jr. But she owns and runs this particular show. She's such a badass. And she's really fun. She gave me multiple belly laughs during the conversation that you're about to hear She's just, she's great. I'm so glad I got to talk to her. One of the biggest unexpected benefits of doing these Wheels Off recordings is that I get to meet people that I feel like I've known for years. And that was very much the case with Suzanne. There's a tiny bit of audio weirdness, because <laughs> that's the world we live in, of maybe 10 minutes in. I just remember as it happened, wanting to make a note to remind you guys to hang in there because it goes away really quickly and doesn't recur. At the end of this interview, after the sort of tent pole wheels off questions have all gone down, we continued to talk for a while about stuff that I'm so glad I got to talk about with her because it's the kind of stuff that I've been thinking about a lot questions that musicians are and artists in general and people in general are wrestling with these days a lot so that to me was a, a, a really great bonus section of the interview i'm so glad to have her on wheels off and now in my list of friends woo, suzanne santo welcome to wheels off Welcome to Wheels Off, Suzanne Santo. Thank you. <laughs> oh my God, it's so great. So you're joining me from Los Angeles. I am, yeah. You're at home. You haven't left probably your home there in, in a while. No, I've done some local, like I drove to the mountains and I drove to Joshua Tree last month, which was mm -hmm. like, I mean, I was so overwhelmed with excitement that I almost 
spontaneously combusted. But I've spent a lot of time uh, in this apartment slash house. <laughs> so, yes. And the new single that you put out came out during all of this, right? It did, yeah. God, it's so September. great with Gary with Gary on guitar, right? Gary Clark Jr. Yeah. Oh, it shreds so hard. It's so yeah, great. Thank you. It was kind of a surreal experience having him play. Like he's just, he's a really beautiful musician. And I, I just loved watching him, like the whole thing. It was like a 30 minute ordeal when he came into the studio and it was just like, wow, did you see that? Like um, shooting star, just shoot across the studio. <laughs> it's gone. <laughs> like, it was really cool. <laughs> um, so, okay. So that, that just came out, but what, what are you working on right now creatively and how is it lighting you up? Oh, excellent question. Wow. Thanks. For that. Um, well, <laughs> you know, I, I recorded most, almost like 90% of a record, um, in the summer of 2019. Mm -hmm. So, you know, all things considered with this year being, you know, just out the gate, pretty, pretty bananas. Um, everything's been pushed, pushed back. And I have a lot more material I'm adding to it, but, you know, to be honest with you and like, obviously the record's going to come out, but I've been doing like, you know, to keep sane, I've just been doing a lot of self care and like exercising a lot, meditating, eating really well, just like, kind of having this mindfulness that's like gotten me out of the emotional gutters of all the other shit going on. You know, it, yeah. it's been a, it's been like highly necessary. <laughs> that's amazing. I mean, I feel like for me and most people I've talked to, like my yoga practice has gone out the window because I like to go do it with people and right, my living right. room is not the same on a YouTube. Right. right. But you're able to like really focus on that and and keep yourself I, sane. I am. Well, I had a moment because I I also love the yoga. I take a lot of yoga, and um, you know, I'm I'm maybe you can really being on the road is an exercise. I mean, when you're playing shows, like your body is just like go 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 go. And I've noticed some changes. I was like, oh wow, these <laughs> pants just don't even zip up. Like they don't fit. <laughs> and I I had a complex about it. And then and then I hit this wall and I was like, there's no reason you shouldn't have a six pack right now, Suzanne. Like you've got all this time. Why don't you put in the effort? And, you know, obviously that's one way to look at your motivation for exercise. But now it's more just for the, the upstairs part of just like when I give myself an hour or, you know, even 45 minutes of like an intense workout, I just emotionally, mentally feel so much better. But I have this, um, there's this app called Fitness Blender. Mm -hmm. There's this couple, I love them. It's $8.99 a month for the uh, upgraded package. <laughs> and they have like kickboxing and, and like Pilates and just like weight training. And when I do it, I'm so pumped. And it's all different. So you get like a nice little, a little menu to choose from. And then I, I have actually been having a hard time with yoga from my laptop because I just like find myself leaving. <laughs> Yeah, there's no there's no group to shame you into staying on your mat. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You. I don't know how you. Well, it's every funny. once in a while, I can make it through a whole class, and then I feel like I really accomplished something. But isn't that funny? Because yoga really does quiet your mind, mm -hmm. where like it's just it is really hard to get there. <laughs> At these days, it's I have a 16 year old son, and he's exercising on a weight bench in my garage, actually oh my about God. 10 feet over that direction Amazing. every single day. He's like he's like he's in prison. He's just ripped <laughs> and shredded, just constantly sweaty. <laughs> But it's oh like he's God. he's like you. He's maximizing this opportunity. Well, Why wouldn't I have food? <laughs> yeah. 
Is he um, training for any particular sport or ladies? Well, the, the latter, definitely. <laughs> yeah, he's got a girlfriend. She's in our pod. Thank God for him. Oh, he's, that's he's lovely. Good winning for the you pandemic. Guys. You know, yeah. funny not to uh, talk about uh, teenage bodybuilding, but growing up <laughs> in Strongsville, um, that was the Strongsville Rec Center was this, it still is like this beautiful facility with a pool and like a water slide and then like this like incredible, you know, weight area and then the basketball courts and just growing up like the boys in, that went to Strongsville High School were huge. They were like jacked. And there, it was just like, it was a weird phenomenon. I don't know. It was like that, like whole corn fed, like, you know, Midwestern thing. I don't know. But they were like big boys, just like constantly weight training. And I, I had crushes on all of them. Sure. Uh, for the listeners, just so you know, before we started recording, Suzanne and I realized that she's from about 15 minutes where my wife grew up in uh, in a, a suburb of Cleveland, right? You'd call it a suburb of a neighborhood yeah, of Cleveland. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Strongsville. Yeah. Well, I've spent a lot of time in Strongsville, and I can vouch for that. Funny. Oh, kids. my God. I had a boyfriend who went to Brunswick. Uh, Brunswick High, and I, I think they, they had Take Your Tractor to School Day, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. I, maybe it's a rumor. I, I can't verify that, but I always thought that was a hoot. That's pretty good. Oh, my God. It's, I, I don't think it's the same. It's, I went back not too long ago, and it's uh, like everywhere else. It's all, you know, um, what do they call, uh, you know, it's whatever. It's strip malls. It's the same yeah. thing you get everywhere else. Yeah. Um, so, so those days growing up in Ohio, I'm kind of obsessed with artists who come from Ohio, you know, the, the Kim deals of the world, the uh, Dave right. Hill, the comedian, like all, like right. all these incredible, like a lot of my, f the funniest people I know, a lot of the greatest musicians I know wow. come out of freaking Ohio, especially <laughs> Northern Ohio. And it's weird to me, um, because it's not obvious perhaps. Mm. Um, but I wonder like when you were young, was there, did you always know, cause I know you've acted and you've done lots of creative stuff, but was music always the thing? And did you have like an epiphany moment where you knew this was going to be it for you making rock and roll music? <laughs> did you know that? You know, it's, I did, I knew that, um, I wanted to entertain. I knew that. And I would watch TRL after school and I would get, um, I would cry sometimes because I wanted to be on it. Like I wanted to be in this world. And I think when I was young, I had this like dream of being like famous. That has changed dramatically because I like my privacy. Uh, and, you know, but at the same time, I was really driven um, and, so my, my, my parents are amazing. They were always like, Hey, you could do whatever you want. Like you want to do summer theater this year? Let's do it. Like, you know, um, you want to play violin and you know, I was, I was pretty good at the violin when I was a kid. So they, uh, you know, put me in, in private lessons. And then I got a scholarship to Padua Franciscan, which is in Parma. Um, I was all set to go to Holy Name, my sister's high school, and then I got a scholarship to the arch rival school. So we like literally played each other in sports and it was not cute. Like it was like a battle, you know, because <laughs> we're all really close in age. I have, I have uh, three sisters, but two that I grew up with. And, and we uh, there was one particular game that got a little little ugly. I'm, we don't need to get into it. <laughs> what sport? 
soccer. soccer. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, <laughs> I started doing local modeling when I was 14 and I was pretty busy and I would go to like Columbus very often and my mom would drive me up to Buffalo and I was in like Value City department store ads. But like that shit started to pay up after a while and I had a, a savings and, and then I kind of, oh, I started when I was 14. Yeah. And then like the next summer I, I spent in Chicago uh, modeling and the next summer I went to Tokyo. And then um, I convinced my parents to let me move to New York, which is really crazy. <laughs> so I, I kind of like, that was like this bridge for me into acting. And I kind of, I put music down for a while. I, I didn't think for a second that I would do that professionally. I thought it'd be like a fun hobby. Um, and I was acting and, I'm, I have got ADD. So like, I'd kind of just like, you know, all over the place. But, uh, when I moved to Los Angeles in 2003, I had like my first heartbreak, my first love. So I started writing like the worst songs you've ever heard in your life. And, <laughs> and, and then I just like caught the bug and it was a really interesting progression into like meeting this person whom i met this person through and then you know how it goes it's just like it was sort of like the path was like hey you should be doing this and I just you know answered the call but when I was growing up in Ohio I actually like whenever there was a talent show or something I would usually call in sick that day and I'd have signed up and I was ready to do it but I was just like oh my god I can't I couldn't bear I would just I get so nervous so <laughs> I crapped out does that still happen to you? No. <laughs> I did, well, you know what? Back in January of this year, I sang for Joni Mitchell. And there was, um, I sang River. I sang her song. There was, uh, I was at NAM and they were doing, presenting her with an award. And I, I think I can honestly say I've never been so nervous in my whole life. And I was, I was just by myself. I, I played with the band. So I just played electric and I, and I was like, like, my hands were just shaking. And at one point, my voice totally cracked on the high note. And I kind of like stumbled my way through it. But um, I wanted to die. Like, I was oh. just like, oh, God, am I going to collapse on this stage? But uh, she was so amazing and gracious. And she loved it. And it was such a beautiful um, kind of monumental experience. But, yeah, I almost puked backstage. Like, I couldn't. <laughs> I could not. It, it was... Yeah, that just that one. But usually I just go in guns blazing and deal with it. <laughs> yeah, it seems like it. It's funny. So you brought up something that I think about a lot, which is the sort of myth that, like you said, you went to L.A., got your heart broken. You were mm -hmm. like 18, probably 19, whatever. Yeah. 19. Mm -hmm. And um, but you got your heart broken and you wrote the worst songs. Yeah. And I wonder, because there is that myth, and I'm sure you've heard the cliche, that uh, you got to have your heart broken in order to write songs, right? <laughs> but, but a lot of times, right, you're such a mess that what you're making and doing isn't, you're, you're not your best self. I yeah. just wonder now, like, how, how do you ride the waves of, um, you know, sort of uh, ups and downs internally? And like, mm -hmm. how do you navigate? Because it seems like you are a I don't know. I'm guessing just from talking to you that you seem like a very sensitive person and you're like <laughs> feeling a lot. And yeah. I just wonder, like, how do you navigate that? What are the tricks that you use to get mm. past the sort of internally generated obstacles? Wow. That was a 
beautiful question. First and foremost, <laughs> thanks. Um, you know, uh, uh, just going back for a second, like I, I kind of, I don't like that, that rule. Like you have to be heartbroken to write a good song. They definitely are propagated from that sentiment quite often. Uh, cause it's just like a lifeline, you know, when you're broken and music is all you have or you can't sleep. I, I get insomnia a lot. And like, it's just like my best friend, you know, it's right there. It's always there. Um, Successfully written some songs when I was joyful, so I broke the spell. So I was like, I like that song, it's a happy one, and I did it, <laughs> you know. But it definitely is easier when you're sad. But you know, in terms of navigating the waters of emotion, you know, I've had a lot of trauma in my life, and so I've I've definitely hit up the therapy circuit, and I'm a I'm a big advocate for um, you know, discovering these these things and addressing them and, and working on them and dealing with them. So I kind of approach it. Uh, I, I'm a, I, I'm a firm believer. Like, you know, if you have a significant other or a best friend or a sister or brother or mom or dad, um, you know, I don't think it's healthy to put all your stuff in one place. So I have my advisors. I have my therapist. She's awesome. Her name's Deborah. I got my parents, <laughs> my best friends, um, you know, myself, my, just sometimes you got to sit with it alone, but I like, I know who to call when I'm really in a place. Uh, and that way, you know, it also strengthens all of your relationships. Um, I'm totally unattached right now, which is so interesting because I'm like, I've never been happier. And I, I don't have a boyfriend or a husband and I, I've never felt like this in my life because I'm usually like either sad that I don't have someone or I'm with someone. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm kind of pumped about it, to be honest. And I think that's from like all this work I've been doing and I'm just like taking care of myself. So it's, it's kind of cool. God, I love what you said about music as sort of therapy, I feel like that's something that comes up a lot when yeah. I talk to when I have these conversations with people. Um, I know for me, it definitely was, you know, it was mm -hmm. like a, a life saving way to process pain. Right. Um, I wonder right now, I mean, when, when we just now when we first started talking, you know, um, you said and I know that for me, like I haven't done a lot of writing in the last seven months i just yeah. I, I maybe the anxiety is too crushing mm -hmm. or whatever i wonder I, I mean i wonder have you have you been able to use the art to deal with this like what's happening right now i not like i used to like mm -hmm. when i was working on my record last summer i was writing every day and doing that like get through your blocks just keep just be diligent be consistent and and i'm a i think that's a great way to write i really gave myself some grace, I guess is the word, like at the beginning of this, because it, it felt like, I, and I don't know if you remember this, but you know, people being like, well, now's the time to write that novel. Like yeah. now's the time to write that. And you felt all this pressure to be like, okay, I have to say something. And that's just like a disingenuine way to go about it. And I've, that's never resonated with me. Uh, I kind of felt like that too, about, um, I felt like there was like a mad dash for live streams as well. Um, and, and I, I've done a, a few live streams and I've loved them, but I didn't want to like be like, you know, just live stream after live stream after live stream one, because it was exhausting because you can't really play the same set every time. And then you're, you're constantly learning new material for the live stream. 
And I just sort of, I lost my boner for that pretty quickly. (laughs) (laughs) But I, back in July, there was this one day where like, I had to stop what I was doing. And I wrote a whole song almost in one sitting. And it was like, and I love it. I am going to put it on my record. And I've kind of been doing that approach right now. Um, and really, um, I've been playing a shitload of violin and like, I've like three hours a day and I'm, I'm, I can't believe, like, I should have been doing this years ago. I, <laughs> I wasn't. And I, I found a lot of solace in that. And, you know, certain, like the mechanics of just like, you know, getting better at guitar, but some of the creative stuff's been hard and, and I'm okay with that. I think that like, I'm going to put in a little more effort soon, but right now I'm just like, I'm, it's not like driving me crazy that I haven't been writing all the time. It's funny. I, I almost asked you that just sort of as like, because I need to know, yeah. like, please help me. My, my yeah, experience yeah. is yours. I had in August, I sat down, wrote one song. It was so yeah. great. And yeah. now I'm like, I wish I could do that again. Yeah. I wonder if the therapeutic value, for instance, of you like playing violin Mm -hmm. is in a way greater because it's not the sort of obvious, like I'm going to do the alchemy where I take my thoughts, feelings, emotions, verbal, whatever, and turn it into a song. I'm just going to play an instrument where it's nonverbal. It's Mm -hmm. not for cash or anything. I mean, Mm -hmm. I wonder if that is its own therapy, its own meditation. Yeah. I, I, I got into the real enjoyment of playing music. You know, you get the whole job aspect, like, okay, this is what I do for a living. I have to have more material. I'm supposed to have a catalog. And, you know, some people can just pop out songs, you know, if you're in the pop world and that's your trajectory, like those people write every day, all day. Um, and I, I think that, um, I mean, we have so much going on in the world that like, First and foremost, we have to be able to handle that shit because it is so intense. I mean, and and you hit the nail on the head, like, you know, you know, sensing that I'm sensitive. I am. (laughs) And, you know, you walk outside your door and it's like you feel like you're under attack. There's just like so much going on. Um, But I I think that um, I've always felt really strongly about writing songs from the sense of yourself and when i don't have a handle on that sometimes my songwriting suffers if that makes sense so even when i'm in pain if i have a like handle on my pain and i like i'm in it like usually that's that's a great time to write songs (laughs) but but now i don't know i think it's important for us to go easy on ourselves i really do god i love that sentiment and i completely (laughs) agree with you i mean because you know, you've been doing this since you were pretty young, and and it's like we we beat ourselves up to keep going, keep generating, and then we've got you know the record labels and the management and the publicists and the people that want us to do this. It's funny, like right now you're promoting so great, and it's like here I'm putting this thing out into the world that's in the middle of just <laughs> falling apart. Yeah. What a weird feeling is that? Like, how are you dealing with the feeling of like putting this into the world and trying to promote it? Um. I'm not exactly. Uh, no, I I'm, get exactly what you're saying. I, yeah. I, that's a great question. You know, what's funny is because the world is so chaotic and the process for releasing a single is completely null and void. And by process, I mean like touring, going to radio stations, meeting with all these people in person. 
I kind of took all the pressure off myself because I'm like, okay, the song needs to come out now because it's so appropriate for mm-hmm. what we're going through. And two, um, I'm, this is the, I'm going to do the best I can and whatever happens with it is whatever happens with it. And if it doesn't blow up, great. I'm so proud to release it. Like, you know what I mean? And, and I've seen it kind of taper off a little bit and you know how this stuff goes, it can go up and down, but I did, I'm not letting it break my heart. Like it's, I'm still excited. And I think at this point, because we are leading with a handicap with a lot of this stuff, like just knowing I'm doing the best I can do, like, Whatever it is, like I just made breakfast. Good job. You know what I mean? Like I just took a four mile walk. Well done. You know, like like that stuff goes a long way right now, all things considered. So in releasing the song, I'm like, it's going to do what it's going to do. And I can't control it. Yeah. Oh, my God. Well, it's funny. I feel like just in so far in this discussion, you've already given me so much good, like usable, oh, good. Actable, <laughs> like advice. But um, I wonder if you could sort of... Uh, um, uh, get it, crystallize it into if you were to run into a 21 year old version of Suzanne working in today's world, mm-hmm. what advice would you give yourself? Oh, I'd say maybe cool it on the tattoos. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I really went big with those, and uh, sometimes I'm like, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I got to tell you this story recently. Someone told me that there's like a study that was done and most people that I have a lot of tattoos and most people that have a lot of tattoos also have issues with their fathers. (laughs) And I actually got quarantined with my parents back in April for like five weeks and I was in a bathing suit and my dad was like, Suze, wow. And I went, it's your fault, man. <laughs> it was a really gratifying moment. Anyway, I digress. Um, what would I tell my 21 year old self? Um, uh, man, I would, oh God, trying not to, like, what's the least cheesy thing I could say right now? Um, man, I, I really embrace my journey with the downfalls and the ups, you know, the ups and downs. I really do. And like, I wouldn't say don't do this. I would just say, you know, love yourself because that's where all the power comes from. It's not an external thing, you know, and then it makes everything else in life so much more manageable and even beautiful and joyful. That's what I would tell her. Mm. Love yourself because that's where the power comes from. Oh, my God. I love that. (laughs) And chill it with the tattoos. Yeah, yeah. Easy, easy on the tats, girl. (laughs) Jesus. <laughs> my God. <laughs> oh my God. Suzanne, I love this. Thank you so much for talking to me. Thank you. This was such a joy. <laughs> this is great. Well, well, hang in there. Congrats on the new single. And Thank you. I can't wait till we all get to go out on tour again. I hope you like, and I get to why? share a stage at some point. Oh my God. I would love that. And so wait, Nick Rose, right? Is Nick Rose your uh front of house? Yeah, our front of house guy. Um yeah. by, by, by the way, for the listeners, the the people who I feel the worst for maybe during all of this in in our industry are the people like the front of house, which is the yeah. uh, sound engineers or the mm-hmm. tour managers. Right. Yeah, Nick Nick Rose and Haley Rose, his wife, are both incredible sound engineer, front of house, tour manager type people. And what do they get to do right now? I mean, this yeah. is this is a tough one. I, I'm you brought up the live streaming. I'm doing four a week, and I have what? been. 
I have been for seven months. Oh my God. Are you so exhausted? It's it. it the, my soul is shredded. Oh, but take a break. I, <laughs> take a break. I can't. I got these okay. two teenagers to feed and a mortgage. Oh, copy that. I feel you. Yeah. But, and, and also I kind of love it. It's exhausting. Anyway, we're not here to talk about me, but um. So, but my point is that I get to do that. Like I have an outlet for my work, and I'm yeah. able to replace lost income. It's it's got it's those it's Nick and Haley. It's the Nick and Haley's of yeah. the world. Yeah. That I. Mm. Well, th- that's gonna. I feel like it's gonna change a little bit. I I think that I want to say two things, if that's okay. Oh, God, I, yes. I um. You know, rather than like the doomsday outlook, which a lot of my friends have had, and I have had as well, I think that this is a new opportunity for us to reshape a flawed industry, the music industry, in a way that I don't know, like, it's not going to look like it used to, but maybe it'll be better. And in the interim of that transition, I see like more intimate shows where we're like, you know, obviously at this point, socially distanced or like playing in someone's backyard. And like, it's, it's a really powerful, intimate experience, you know, and it, it'll hopefully as we get a handle on the pandemic and an understanding of what works best for us, um, you know, it'll be rebuilt from a way that's more sustainable for everybody. I mean, it's just such a bear, at least for me, I'm still in a van, you know, yeah. and that that's a really like I'm 35 and I'm I'm ready to be done with that part of my touring uh, just for my band as well. Like, I just I feel like such a dick asking people to get in the van for three months. <laughs> like It's yeah. so much. But I wanted to say, you know, per the live stream, something I started offering my fans that's been really rewarding for me. Um, and uh, I do these private Zoom sessions and I sell them on my website mm-hmm. and um, sometimes we just hang out. Sometimes I play a whole show or they give me requests in advance. And I, sometimes I have to learn covers, which has been really fun. So I have an assignment. Um, but you know, in terms of, you know, kind of get, getting a little relief from the live streams, I've found that the zooms are really cool cause they're really interactive and you can, you can see each other. And like, I was playing for this couple on their anniversary the other day and they were sitting on the couch with their beautiful cat. And they kept giving each other smooches. And I a whole tear came out of my eye. I was so rude. I was just like, I love your love. And I was so embarrassed because I kept trying to hide it. But it just like, it was a fat tear just rolled down my face. That's so sweet. <laughs> but, you know, there's there's a lot we can do. And But kudos to you for live streaming because so many people love you and want to hear you sing. And, like, that's pretty cool. Thanks. Oh, I'm sorry. You're so tired. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, 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 you know, I, I used to do 250 gigs a year in yeah. where, all over the world. So why, yeah. why is it any worse to come down here to my office? Yeah. But it's funny. You reminded me of a conversation I was having this morning uh, with my, my Ohio wife. Um, <laughs> um, Erica and I were talking over breakfast about um, the, the there's a Marshall McLuhan book that was a sort of a media um, treatise. Uh, the medium is the massage, um, th- or the message. He released whatever it was back in the 70s. And so Marshall McLuhan had this thing about um, we're moving towards a world where instead of being the best in your village at playing fiddle or singing whatever, you have to be the best in your country or in the world. He was sort of predicting like an internet-based world where Mm. your competition was no longer the people in your village. It was the people everywhere. So 
And that's where we've been for the last 20 years. And um, I wonder if, and this just popped into my brain this morning, I wonder if we're moving towards a world or if we're regressing perhaps to a more village-based type of thing because we're not going to be able to tour as much as we were. We're not going to be able to play in large. So maybe we are moving to smaller venues, smaller groups, smaller, yeah, smaller worlds. Mm -hmm. I wonder. I mean, I think so has to change you know just technologically speaking like everything is just like a good 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 the escalation into um availability you know the click of a button like uh, that is really tampering with our instincts and our grounding ourselves and and is very isolating you know i think that personally i'm i'm just craving the woods and nature you know mm-hmm. uh, which is so tough with a lot of the digital ways that as musicians we have to connect um it's not all bad i, I don't want to complain um but i think just humanity right now or you know obviously our part of the world because there's many different parts of the world and people that don't have digital life like we do um i think that we are lacking a sense of community and it is being divided up by our internet selves and, you know, obviously social media. And so the thought of smaller community-based shows is thrilling to me. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know about you. One of my favorite shows in the past on the road would be um, like concert series in like every, you know, like summer series. And you're just the artist that they picked and half the time they don't even know who I am. And I show up and I'm so excited to be there because usually there's like all different kinds of people that just like showed up for hot dogs and free beer and (laughs) they don't know who I am and I don't know who they are, but I loved, I I love seeing all the different demographics and colors. And like, that is so powerful to me in terms of community Um, And, you know, now just having been away from each other for so long at this point, I just think that any kind of music is going to be so good for all of us, even if it's a tiny little group of folks hanging out listening. (laughs) That's such an interesting point to me about being sort of an unknown performer in front of um, an audience that isn't that is only there for the idea of entertainment rather than specifically us right i love that it it kind of simplifies and distills our job into that i i I, one of my least favorite things are the um that breed of performer that feels so entitled and they show up and they're like i'm only going to play the songs off my new album i'm not going to play anything you want to hear you're just you're lucky that i'm even here shut up if you talk i'm gonna you know i'm like it's earn, so sad. <laughs> earn their attention, earn their silence, earn their yeah. their applause. Yeah, I think that that brand of artist is like at this point. There's so many great musicians and so many great. I mean, you could say the same about actors or anybody in any industry. Like when you're unkind, it's like you they'll have someone else come by and play their venue. Like, you know, like the eighties when like people are trashing hotel rooms and, and green rooms and making other people's jobs really hard. Like they're just not going to have you back. Like, yeah. <laughs> like that's how that cookie crumbles. I mean, I yeah, it's know. funny. It's like for so long, the mystique of the difficult artist, the diva, was mm-hmm. such was almost proof of their brilliance. And I wonder. I hope you're right. Maybe maybe that is going to go away, and people will see that bad behavior for what it is, which is just bad behavior. Yeah, 
Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, and to counter my, I'm, I'm not a fan of cancel culture. I do think it's important for people to be able to learn from their mistakes or poor choices and, and be embraced for that. So, you know, if you were an asshole before, just figure it out and stop being an asshole. And then maybe people will be even more excited to hear your music. <laughs> yeah. And their applause. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's so cool. Thank you so much for joining me on Wheels Thank Off and you. hang in there. I'm, I really admire uh, your your spirit with regards to keeping yourself healthy during this. And I really appreciate all the advice, the truly, I feel like, actionable advice that you've gifted us with during this conversation. Thank, Thank you so much. You. Likewise. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for listening to Wheels Off. Please be sure to rate and review the show on iTunes. That helps us appear higher in the search results and lets other folks know that it's a cool podcast to listen to. Also, as the kids say, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or anywhere else that you listen to shows like this so that you never miss an episode. This has been Wheels Off, and I'm Rhett Miller, encouraging you to create every day. Thanks, y'all. Hello, everybody. I'm Bruce. And I'm Nolan. And this is the Corner of Gray Street Podcast. As longtime Dave Matthews Band fans, we set out to create a podcast to dive deep into the past, present, and future of DMB. Not only do we recap and review shows within an ongoing tour, but we revisit past shows from throughout the band's history, conduct interviews with a wide variety of guests with ties to DMB, and create unique and exclusive content like our Concerts on the Corner series. Whether you're a fan of the band or just a fan of great music, we think you'll find something you'll enjoy. We can't wait to see you on The Corner of Gray Street.